that's keeping you from using your voice. Welcome to the No Boring Stories podcast. You know that you can use storytelling to captivate your audience, clarify your message, and grow your business and impact like never before. That's why I'm here each episode bringing you transformative stories, expert storytellers, and my signature storytelling tools all to help you tell a better story. Because there's no such thing as boring stories, just boring storytellers. I'm your host, Alex Street, and my mom left her home at 16 and left her country at 20 to pursue her dream of being an actress. And that's bold. Today on the show, we've got the founders of the Bold Women Society, Katie Langford and Amanda Cahill. They are here to share this journey of becoming bold women themselves, looking at the inspiring story of the bold women in their lives, and now showing up to inspire you to live a bold life as well, to be unapologetic in pursuit of your dreams. They share their stories, their individual stories of going from sitting back to stepping up and taking full control. And what's amazing is how their stories interact to form the Bold Women Society and help empower women today. You're going to get a ton out of this conversation. If you are working with a partner, you need a partner for your business, or you just need some encouragement to step up and use your voice today. Look, if you find something stands out in this episode for you, then please share this on your social media so that others can experience that same transformation. Don't forget to rate and review this episode on your favorite podcast player and know that I am forever grateful for you for choosing to be here and engage with these not boring stories today. All right, let's get right into this conversation with Katie and Amanda. Welcome back to the No Boring Stories podcast. I, of course, am your host, Alex Street, and this is the place where boring stories simply are not allowed or if they are boring, then we figure out how to make them unboring. But thankfully, my guests today, guests plural, are going to bring something that is anything but boring, telling their own stories, telling the story of their community, their movement that they are starting. I am thrilled to have Amanda Cahill and Katie Langford, the founders of the Bold Women Society with us today. So how are you both doing today? Phenomenal. It's been a great day so far. Excellent. So this is Katie. Katie, you can say hi. Hi, I'm Katie. There we go. And Amanda. Hi, we're happy to be here. It has been a phenomenal day already. And we're like just getting started. But this is going to be this is going to be a, a hot conversation. We are going to be back and forth all the way. I am so excited to hear not only the not boring story of how a society gets built, the Bold Women's Society, to find out what that is and how you create something like that and, and invite people in. There's just so much in that. And anybody that is listening to this that is like, oh, yeah, I want to start a community. I want to start a, a movement of women doing things, but I don't know how. Like, this is going to be great for them. But then specifically, what I love about you two is the way that your stories, your individual stories, merge to, to get to this place where it was unavoidable. Of course, we had to do this thing. But this is all kind of like teasing the tension. This is just letting people see like where we're going with this. But I want to start with uh, with your favorite storytellers or stories that you've heard 
when when you we talked about this ahead of time you've got oprah and sarah blakely now unpack either of those or both of those for me what is it that makes them really stand out as like oh this is who we lift up as the queen of story yeah well i'll tell a little bit about my crush on sarah blakely (laughs) which I had the amazing opportunity to meet her Uh about almost 10 years ago now. I was a brunette then, which is kind of funny, but I go back and forth. Key detail. (laughs) What I love about Sarah is that she's very, she always narrows down to the reason how Spanx came to be, right? Mm -hmm. She lived in Florida. She was selling fax machines door to door, and she wanted to not have um, panty lines in her white pants. And uh, I'm sure that's the first time this has ever been said on that pod, this podcast, Alex. Um, You'd be surprised. But I love that she, you know, if you know anything about her, she's always talking about her red backpack, her lucky red backpack. She's talking about how her apartment was the Spanx headquarters for so long. But the thing that I admire the most about her, and I think that women specifically are not told enough, mm-hmm. is that she will tell you over and over and over about her failures. She tells you about when she was a kid growing up, her dad used to sit, um, you know, around the kitchen table, the dinner table and ask her and her brother, what did you fail at today? And he didn't care what they got right. He only wanted to hear that. And I think when we connect her story to women, we just aren't told that we should fail. We're told that we have to look a certain way, act a certain way, do certain things. And so that story, you know, her brand is not new. It's huge. Um, First woman uh, running. I think she's become a billionaire. She's never taken on investor money, which is insanity. Um, But that idea of failure is not only something that I appreciate hearing, um, but it's a great reminder to to Amanda and I that what we're trying to create is bigger than ourselves. And we are going to fail time and time and time again. And that's okay. Okay. So, so what, if that's the message, I mean, phenomenal for her and, and hearing that, but I'm, I'm so interested in that story that you say is really like a shared story among women specifically that we're told. Is it that you're not told that you can fail or you're told not to fail? Well, I, that's a great question, Alex. And it's such it's such an interesting one because it actually goes back to childhood. When you think about yeah. children um, and, and girls versus boys, right? Girls are very much taught to be polished, to be very poised, to be very put together, to be very collected, to get straight A's, to stay in this box in this line, never color outside the lines. It's kind of how we're ingrained in what we're taught through society, whether that's intentional or not. But then when you think about little boys, they're always, not always, but a lot of times like cutting up and playing rough and, you know, the saying is, oh, they're just boys. Boys will be boys. And it's just laughed off. And so it's just something that sticks with us as we grow up, as we move into adolescence. And then as we move to adulthood, you have to stay in the straight lane. Don't deviate, stay Uh the path, 
be the best, the best that you absolutely can be. And that's what you're striving for always, always, always. And that's why Sarah's story resonates so much. What happens if you do? If, if what is that general, obviously, right? So I show up and I'm hosting this thing as a privileged white male and all of everything that comes with that and all of the absurd amount of um, uh, ignorance <laughs> that comes with that and knowing and hearing this and be like, yeah, okay, I don't know. I don't get it. Like I, whatever, I just failed and then got up again and it wasn't even a thing. But for you to speak about this in such a powerful narrative that this is what we grow up with. This is what we lead. This is why, I mean, you're looking at the title of, of your organization, the bold women's society. Like it's no, it's no coincidence that that's what it is. You're leading people to be bold. So, so the question around that failure thing then is when you're told stay in a straight line, or at least you embrace, you absorb that narrative. Um, what happens if you do? As you grow up, as you get older, as you try something, what happens if you do fail? What's what's the result? Yeah. So it's fascinating that you bring this up, Alex, because not only is this just food for thought, right? This isn't just something Amanda and I and our peers and the women in Boulevard Society talk yeah. about, but this is backed up by research and data. There's an amazing professor at TCU in the business school and she has done the research about um, women staying in the lines, right? We know that women are graduating at higher rates, yeah. um, both uh, in just undergraduate degrees, but also graduate degrees. We know that more women are graduating from things like law school and MBA school and all those things. But when we look at leadership, when we look at um, those things, we still are so freaking off balance. And depending on whose research you follow, it could be anywhere from 50 to 100 years for parity. And so what happens is women are really great at going to school and following directions, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We know that we can study for a test, get A's on the test. We can get into the right law school, right? We can do all of those things. But What's fascinating and insanely crazy about it is mm -hmm. that when we talk about business, when we talk about innovation, whether it be in healthcare or technology or the nonprofit space or the telecom space that, that Amanda's in, women do not get rewarded for staying in the lines. Women get rewarded for taking risks and being innovative. Huh. And so it's this mixed message that we've been sent our whole entire lives. You know, success is something that is not what we say it is. It's maybe what a professor or a parent say. We get to a job and, and, and you know, I've led huge, big teams. And I, I remember, like, always saying I didn't want to work with young women right out of college because they literally come to you and they're like, okay, tell me exactly what to do. I mean, exactly what to do. And we see this when it comes to getting raises, getting yeah. jobs, getting promotions. The research out of the UN says that men will look at a job description and if they see 30%, they'll be like, yeah, I can do that. Mm -hmm. And women want to check 90 to 100% of boxes. 
so mm-hmm. they won't fail. And quite frankly, it's screwing us over. So there's there's this idea, carry that childhood story through. Because this is this is what's so fascinating about this, right? I mean, this is a story. This is a story that then translates or or becomes so many people's stories. And to be perfectly honest, most of my clients that I work with in story coaching and helping people really uncover and fall in love with their story and turn it into a message that matters so they can show up boldly, confidently, and communicate it to connect with people, most of my clients are women, like like 80 to 90%. And, and this is something that has shown up for me is recognizing the, the effort that it takes to not only have the courage to look into your story, to look back at that and see all those failures, see all those mistakes, see where something went wrong or went right, or maybe you translated in a different way, but then to have the courage to take that and show up with that fully, completely, authentically, vulnerably, and recognize that if I share this, if I talk about who I really am, like with no armor up, and that isn't accepted, then what else do I have? Because the practice of failure isn't simply, I guess, isn't there as much. That's what I'm hearing as you say all of this, is there's a practice of failure that is that is showing up now for women specifically um, more than ever. This willingness to fail, this willingness to try, to show up, to go outside those lines because you're learning that, oh, I can do this and get back up again and try again, where that's something very generally, but again, a true narrative. And as you say, backed up by research, that's something that that males have been doing since childhood. That's right. Yep. I mean, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and so here's what's crazy, right? Like when we talk about our own stories, I have story, like my story is also wrapped up in following the path, doing yeah. the right thing. Amanda's story is wrapped up in following the path, people thinking that her life and her career are phenomenal and, and, and she shouldn't want more. Like when the hell was the last time that we looked at a man and said, you shouldn't want more. We don't, mm-hmm. we don't do that. We do it all the time to women, all the time. I mean, I'm not sure that these guys needed to go to space. So I'm not sure that he needs, that they need more of that, but I'm with you. <laughs> Let's just remember that Jeff Bezos went to space and his ex-wife Mackenzie instead donated $40 million that week. So as it See, says- this is- this is a message that I am so this is a story that I am so behind and and am thrilled about um sharing and and getting out because even to think about this as I look at my my journey of of kind of developing my business and stepping into the the entrepreneur space and seeing my gifts and how I can share these most of the not only are most of my clients women now but I think that actually comes back from like most of my early learnings, books that I would read, podcasts I would listen to, it was it's Jenna Kutcher. It's it is it's Sarah Blakely. It's um, Amy Porterfield. I, I found myself learning from and listening mostly to women's voices, and I think it was it's because of this because recognizing 
the the extra struggle, the extra layer of, I don't know, effort, push, um, drive that's necessary to go forward and to make your dream happen is so much more respectful or respectable um, as we look at this. And so as as you guys step forward and and show up with the Bold Women Society, tell us now, finally, I mean, this has been a good introduction, but what's what are you doing? What's the purpose? What is Bold Women Society and what's the impact that it's going to make or that it, that it is making? Right. And obviously, that's what we love to talk about oh, well, yeah. with Bold Women Society. So, I mean, essentially, we are we're an online community and we have a spotlight on bold stories, which is why Sarah Blakely's story is so impactful to our community, stories like Oprah and things like that. But what we are doing is we are on this mission to inspire confidence in women, but basically help them release any narratives, beliefs, barriers, anything that is limiting the pursuit of the life that they want to create. And mainly who we are focused on and the the target market that we have is mid-career professional women. So it's not the woman who's just coming out of college, who's just getting her feet wet, just figuring out what she wants to be when she grows up. Mm -hmm. And it's not the executive level either. It's that in-between layer where we have found there is a lack of professional development either through their company that they currently work at or just in the industry in general. And we want to be able to provide them this platform, this community to show them, okay, what are the steps that you want to take when you want to get to that next level? What is that next level for yeah. you? What does it even look like? So helping them gain that clarity, that confidence to be able to move confidently in that direction. And ultimately, I mean, our end goal, we envision a world where we have reshaped that narrative that we just talked about where every woman is completely unapologetic in the pursuit of her dreams because she knows that she has that confidence to be bold. She has that courage to be authentic and be vulnerable and show up who she is. And she has that power coming from a community of being supported. Yeah. So it's all of those things. And that's just touching the surface for what we feel and what is driving everything that we do every day with Bold Women Society. Oh my goodness. <laughs> you're just so like passionate, but you're like <laughs> getting so excited about it. I could tell you're like, you're in your living room here, but like, I see you on a stage, like just actually like sharing, like sharing this so passionately and, and, and boldly up there. And what is fascinating about what we just did was paint the picture of the transformation that, that you see and that you want to see. You see a generation, generations of women who are showing up, apologizing for their failures, apologizing for their successes, showing up and not actually confident to take that step, to make that move, to have that conversation. And you're seeing specifically in this like one, you know, category of women, kind of midlife, mid-career, where there's little professional development, that if you can connect with them, and you can help them see the path that they've been going on and they don't have to live this way anymore. It doesn't have to be this way. Then you can help them become unapologetic. I mean, bold ultimately in pursuit of her dreams and her career and, and the, the life that she wants to live in community with confidence, with clarity. That's a transformation. And anybody that is in that's a that's a beautiful story, right? And so I think about the women that you're impacting and the stories that you're changing, the the transformations, the amount of stories that you are helping 
create, helping form these people who are going from, from apologizing or from fearful to free to unapologetic. Think of it, the amount of people that are now walking around after connecting with you, after in, in, engaging with Bold Women Society, who are now walking around and their story is different because of that. That is a beautiful freaking thing. That's why I love this. Do you have any of those stories? I mean, share, like, do you have, like, who comes to mind when you think of someone, you don't have to give a name or anything, but when you think of someone who has experienced transformation like that as they've in, engaged in this community? Yeah, I mean, we have one woman who has just been a rock star with us, but she came to us. Um, she's the only female vice president in her firm, in her company. She works in a pretty male-dominated space, and she really didn't feel like her voice mattered. She also is maybe um, a bit burned out of her career. Like, she's wondered, is this the right place? But again, she went to school for this. Mm -hmm. She got into it. She followed the path. She got promoted, right? Um, but even, like, being the female vice president, like, she didn't want to talk about that. Like, she thought that was a bad thing. This is so interesting. Just, I, I just need to interrupt you for a second because yeah. the, 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 <laughs> it sounds like you're talking about a fake person. It sounds like you're talking about, oh yeah, here's my ideal client. You know what I mean? Like when you create those categories, you're like, well, this is it and this is it. And it sounds so general and so relatable that it's not a real person. But here you are, you're like, no, you can picture her face. Yeah. You like, know who this is. This is the real story. Her. Yeah. We adore her because she's been with us. And she's done the hard work and, and, and right. What we're talking about is personal and professional development. It's not easy, right? Mm -hmm. Like if it was easy, more people would do it, but, um, she's really dug in and she's learned to do things like set boundaries. Like she's the person on her team and her company that when another man doesn't want to do it, it gets put on her plate mm -hmm. and she stopped saying, that's bullshit. I'm not mm -hmm. like, no, like I'm not an admin. And, and just to see her blossom, I don't know if you would use a different word, Amanda, just this confidence that she has and this, she is thinking bigger and she's thinking, you know, it's, it's not necessarily, is this the right job for me anymore? It's what would the right job look like? Is this how I want to spend my time and my energy? Could I, like, she's believing in herself in a way that she said she's never done before. Mm. Um, and that's she just, feels, yeah, go, She man. feels completely empowered now and yeah. in control of her life. And through the transformations that she has gotten being a part of the Bold Women's Society has completely shifted what she sees for her future. She's enrolled to go back to school. She starts in school in August. She has started something on the side that is very passionate for her that she didn't feel comfortable doing before because she said, how, how dare I think that I can do both, mm -hmm. which is a limiting belief. Like, absolutely, you can do both. Who told you you had to stay right here once yeah. you made this decision? And that's so it's that type of transformation. How's that affecting the people around her? You know, those people who were pouring everything onto her, who were giving her extra work, who were maybe maybe belittling like how how do they respond to that? Do you know? Have you have you had those kind of conversations? Yeah. You like what's going on? What's that ripple effect? I guess. 
So one of the people that she's had to set some really hard boundaries with is her mother. And it's been a challenge, right? Um, but she's even more confident in that and saying mm-hmm. like, this is what I need and, and, and this is what I can't hear from you. And this is what I won't take anymore. And this is what we won't discuss anymore. And just that power, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people, right? Women, we're caretakers, we're, we're givers would think, oh my goodness, I'm failing if I'm not the perfect daughter, right? And she's just kind of taken that narrative and said, nope, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it in a different way. And and it's still something that she's going through, right? Yeah. It's not like, it's it's not this immediate transformation where her mom's like, okay, it's, yeah. you know, there are, there are times. But being able to do that, I mean, that's... Well, it it is, shit. it's... Yeah, it's 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 her voice. And and again, right? So much of what we're doing here is helping people truly just develop a voice and and speak. Um you know, I I come from uh a background. I worked in a church for a long time and some of the the phrases and verses that were thrown around and wielded were that um that women didn't have as couldn't have as much of a leadership role as men, which is a bunch of BS. And so there's, yeah, it, and it's it's taken from centuries old texts that are out of context. And I mean, we could go way down that route, but it's but realizing that that actually so much of our journey now in this day is helping people discover their voice and how their voice matters, how their story matters, how their opinions, their thoughts, they matter. And it's so interesting because we look at the world and like we've got more opportunities to share our thoughts and our voice on a public forum than ever before. I don't think that Gen Z is going to have a problem thinking that their voice matters because they're sharing it all over the place. But to have somebody respond to that voice that's going to be the important thing to have somebody respond. So like for this woman to have her mother hear her speak up and say, actually, no, this isn't right anymore. Like, I'm not going to deal with that anymore. And then to have like, what's the response going to be? And I think that's where the fear comes in, right? So many of us are afraid that, okay, but if I say this, they're not going to like me. Mm-hmm. If they knew who I really am they're if they know who I really thought, if they knew that I really wanted that position, they're not going to like me. And then what? And then what do I do? And it comes back to that practice point. So if we're creating bold women, if we're helping to help women transform, if you're helping women transform into this bold woman, I want to know how you two became that. <laughs> how did you get to this point where you're like, yes, well, this is who I am. So I don't know if you want to, how we do this, but how do you end up in this position? Because how, how long has, has Bold Women's Society been going? Uh, just over a year. Come on. Okay. So at some point you two connect and your stories intertwine. Um, Let's go, like, where does this begin? You both have the, you have the shared vision to help women be unapologetic, be confident, be bold. Where does that boldness begin for each of you? And I mean, whoever wants to take this can take this first. But where does that idea of boldness begin for you in your story? Like in your childhood, teen years, where is that? Where does that show up? 
Yeah. So I'll start and then um, Amanda can jump in because our story is very interesting Mm -hmm. um, when you put it together. So I was the woman, just like we've been talking about. I was the woman who went to school, got a degree, graduated on Saturday, went to work on Monday, got promoted every two to three years. Who were you like, wait, as as a kid though, like, were you like, you know, stepping in front of the camera for home videos, were you the like, look at me? And and yeah. was that? Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> yeah. both were. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so like, so that's what I mean. So you're, you're like, cause you're, you're jumping ahead in the story a bit here to the, yeah. the school and all that sort of stuff. But before that, as you're developing this personality, this character, um, there's already this like braveness, boldness. Yeah. So my mom had me when she was very young. She was a teenager. Yeah. Um, and yet it didn't stop her from pouring into me. Mm. Um, and in fact, every single day of my life, she told me I could be and do anything that I wanted. I just needed to work for it. She was my, she is my biggest champion. She is my biggest cheerleader. And and it was reinforced. I went to an all girls high school, which that's a really interesting thing, right? Like we were very, very middle class. I mean, my, my dad was blue collar. Um, my mom was, you know, an assistant and yet I was at one of the best private schools in Dallas and was surrounded by a lot of wealth. Um, and that's not what I came from in that school, was it the same message that like your mom's telling you, you can do anything, you can be anything. Yes. And then you get into this met into this school. And I imagine it's all the opportunities in front yeah. of you. Oh yeah. 1000%. Like, um, my alma mater is one of my favorite things. I've been able to serve on the board of trustees and on the alumni board, but yes, like we had teachers that instilled the exact same thing. You can be anything, you can do anything, right? You, you've got to put work into it. You've got to put energy into mm-hmm. it. But this idea that we could conquer the world. And at the same time, um, our motto there is Servion, which means I will serve. So it's not only you can conquer the world, but go out and conquer the world and also figure out how you can serve. Mm, leading and, through uh, serving. Imagine that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the Ursuline sisters are are uh, kind of badass. They're they're <laughs> the OG badass women for sure. Hey, you want something for free that's going to help you with your speaking? Here it is. When I started out speaking, I had no confidence. Eyes locked in my notes or off on a wild tangent, fidgeting and pacing all around the stage. I wasn't getting asked to speak where I wanted to, and I felt like I was wasting my time and my audience's time. So, you're booked for a workshop or a keynote and the date is fast approaching or you're hoping to land some speaking gigs as extra income and you don't know where to begin if you don't get extra help you'll be embarrassed you'll waste your time and you'll lose relational connections and i'm sure that you can be a more confident speaker and transform your audience that's why i created the make speaking magical video course During my 20 years of speaking to crowds, I've learned five main tricks that help me walk on stage with confidence and make sure my message sticks. I've been repeatedly asked back by event organizers, spoken at workshops about these tricks, and coached individuals on putting these techniques into their talks to give them confidence before a nerve-wracking presentation. 
So whether you're speaking on a big stage or on camera or on a podcast or around the dinner table, the Make Speaking Magical video course will give you everything you need to speak with confidence and transform your audience. And right now, I'm giving away two modules of the seven module course for free so that you can learn to connect with your audience and then really put all this into motion to make your speaking magical. Go ahead, get two modules of the course for free right now just by going to my website, alexstreet.ca. You can find it there or find the link on my bio in my Instagram. Hurry though, because this is only going to be available for a limited time. And what was going through your head at that time when they're like, you can conquer, you can do anything. What's the anything that you start thinking of I could do? Yeah, at that time, I wanted to go to law school. I really wanted to be an attorney. I wanted to be, um, I was in mock trial, actually. Totally forgot about that till just now. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I wanted to be, um, I'm not a good singer, but I've always liked being like on stage Mm -hmm. and being a leader. And so I wanted to be in a courtroom and I wanted to be talking and interviewing and doing all the things. Um, and then I had friends that went to law school and I took a year off in between and then I never went. (laughs) (laughs) Like I never talked to my friends anymore. I don't want to have their life. Okay. So then, so now we catch up to, to where you were telling your story. So you go to school, you do like, what is, so what did you go to school for and what did you get into and what, what is that, that normal life that, that you slipped into? That's hysterical, Alex. So I went to school for engineering And then I got to orientation and I thought, oh my God, I can't fail at this. Uh So I changed my major to communications. (laughs) From law to engineering to communications. Oh, it gets better. (laughs) So I take communications. um, I'm sitting in my communications theory final and I'm like, this sucks. I don't really care what Plato says which is hysterical because now I'm like, give me all the information. Mm, yeah. Um, but, you know, 1920, I was like, nope. So I went and changed my major. I changed my major to, it's called Recreation, Park, and Tourism Sciences. Leslie Nope, here we are. <laughs> Parks and Rec. Leslie Nope. Yeah, and before <laughs> Leslie Nope, like nobody knew what the hell that was. Uh-huh. I go and call my mom and tell her what I'm doing. And she... Her response to me was, are you going to be a camp counselor for the rest of your life? (laughs) She was livid, livid. And I was like, I don't really know. Um, I thought I was going to do youth programming for nonprofits, which is hysterical because I'm not great with kids. Like they're not my jam, but I fell into fundraising. I was really good at it. I'm really good at influencing people to raise money Mm -hmm. and leading teams and And that's where I just went boom, 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 boom. And at 34, I was the chief development officer for a national organization's local chapter. Um, I had raised $35 million in my career and I was sitting in my office and I was like, ugh. And not only that, but kind of like, because we talked last week about this idea that, you know, it's not always this huge moment. Yeah. I remember sitting, I was, I know exactly where I was. I was sitting in a conference room with some um, fundraising consultants. We were in the middle of a capital campaign. 
We're looking at a list of people. And all I thought was, I am so sick of looking at people as if they're bank accounts. Oof. It was horrible. And yet the narrative in my head was, if you quit, you are a failure. Even though yeah. I had been surrounded by phenomenal women leaders that were donors. Like I could get into any top female executive in Dallas into her office and talk to her. And, um, and I just kept remembering and thinking like, I think there's something else out there. And, uh, so you have this moment, I think I'd love to pause on your story and and move over to Amanda for just a second here, and then we'll see how they kind of interact. But there's this moment that I think, which is so critical for all of us is, as you say, it's not a big moment. It wasn't you getting fired and running out in a storm as far as I know. Um, yet, but there's this, the, the turning point was this after 15 years of doing this and like rising up, getting in all these different rooms and offices and having any conversation, well-networked, you just have this moment of of kind of a separation of what you're doing from what you believe. And and that's that's so critical for us is recognizing like I'm so sick of looking at people as bank accounts is actually rubbing against some belief that you have about this world, which is inherently, I think that humans have value beyond the dollar. Like there's something about that for you that all of a sudden over 15 years of it, all of a sudden shows up and you realize this is against my beliefs. Something needs to shift. And I think that's the part in our story that so many of us are like, I don't know what the big moment is. And you can look back and you see that's what it is. It's when something was misaligned with what you're doing from from who you're supposed to be. And that's going to be the key part. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so good. Okay. Yeah. So let's, um, Amanda, same thing. Where does this go for you? Where does this begin? What what were, You said you were the same sort of thing, jumping in front of the camera as a kid and, and you know, no fear. What was your upbringing? Yeah, so I am the youngest of four. I have three older brothers. So there was a lot that came before I did, right? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of, from an early age, had to put myself in the limelight to get attention, being yeah. the last one. I mean, I was the only the only girl, so that did help. But I was very, very much as a child, like always dancing and putting together routines and just mom and dad, watch, 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 watch these little routines, just all acting, doing everything that I could. I was so confident and ambitious and just all of the things that like you think about a child just yeah. smiling and laughing all the time. That was me. Was it tiring? Was like, was that, was that effort? Do you know what, do, do you know what I mean? It do you was remember? not tiring. Yeah. No, okay. I loved yeah. every minute of it. Yeah. <laughs> I loved okay. every minute of it, but I watched my mother as I grew up. My mother, my brother was our primary breadwinner and she worked a lot and she worked very hard for what we had and so it was ingrained for me very early that was like if you want to be successful you have to work really hard you have to work harder than everybody else and you know there was some point I don't know exactly where it happened but once I got into junior high high school I very much became the people pleaser person so I was the person instead of picking one sport and just rocking it I played all of the sports and just did them okay Right. Because I just wanted to be 
pleasing to everybody. A coach would say, hey, we'd really like you to join the team. They saw how athletic I was. And I was like, okay, great. That sounds good. Oh, you want me to join a cheerleading squad? Oh, okay, great. You want me to be in band? Oh, okay, great. I'll do that. And so literally I did all of these things, but none of it was my own direction. It was Mm. just people tapping me on the shoulder saying, hey, we think you'd be good at this. And never once did I stop to think, is that what I want? So when, when, when you said your mom is a really hard worker, and you modeled yourself out, like what does, define that hard work, like is that just hours put in? What did you see, how did you define her hard work? So she started having a family when she was really young, like 18. So college was disrupted for her. She never graduated from college. So she had to put in a lot of hours and there was a lot of stress because she didn't, from what I saw and from what I was told, because she didn't have a college education, she had to work twice as hard as everybody else to prove that she was deserving to be where she was. And I saw the struggles that she had and that led into me. Yeah, okay. I was like, well, I'm absolutely going to graduate from college. Mm-hmm. And not only did I graduate from college, I was the first woman in my entire family to get a master's degree. Come on. I was like, I have to do all of it, <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm the people pleaser, I have to do it. I have to be the best. And so that was ingrained in me not that they ever told me i had to do it but because i saw the struggle and how hard it was i was like i have to work twice as hard that's what i have to do i have to put my head down did you ever not do something and face the consequences for that you know so somebody invites you should join the basketball team and you're like nah and then you saw a disappointment on that like did you ever you didn't even give yourself there was not that opportunity to see but but the fear of that is what drove you to say yes Exactly. But what's interesting, though, is when I got into college and into grad school, when it came time for me to make those decisions where people kind of stopped tapping me on the shoulder as much, I had a lot of commitment anxiety. It took me a lot to commit to something like Hmm. I changed my major three times. And then finally, on the third one, I went to a counselor and I said, look, I just need to graduate. So with what I have, what do I need to do to hit this mark? Yeah. And I ended up getting an environmental science degree because I was really good at math and I was really good at science. And they were like, this is going to be easy for you. And I was like, great. And it was easy for me, but I, it, my heart wasn't in it. I was just like, at this point, I was like, I need to, I just need to be done. Yeah. So I did it. And <laughs> the alignment again, between these two stories, right. Of like what college is for you. It was just like, I don't know. I'm just going to do this. Now I'll try this. Now I'll try. Oh, let's just finish. <laughs> I'll get this done, which then leads you into what is it the same, you know, 10, 12 years of some career beyond that for you, Amanda? What 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 was it like leaving that and leaving school and getting into a job, getting into a career? So when I graduated from college was when the economy was really bad. So I ended up saying, I had a counselor who told me, you're already broke. You might as well stay broke. If you want to stay in school, you should stay in school now. And I took that advice and I did that. And that's how I got my MBA. But what I found out, I just assumed because I had an MBA, that it'd be easy to get work. It was not. It was not. I applied to like 200 jobs. So I ended up taking the first job that was offered to me. And I 200. 200. I had a spreadsheet. Everybody know I'm a spreadsheet queen. So I had a spreadsheet of every job I ever applied to. <laughs> I'm that person. Katie's shaking her head right now. Like what? No, no I, I love it. I love that she's the spreadsheet queen because I am the opposite of a spreadsheet queen. But yeah, it, that is hysterical that you have 
Ever, that's just awesome. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, and you take the first one because you're like, oh my, anything, please, anything. And that, that first one is what? It was miserable. I literally yeah. felt that every day that I went to work, that I was dying a little bit, even though I had an office and like, it was great great sure you'd have an opportunity um i actually got an opportunity to move into a position in the telecom industry and once i got into the telecom industry that's when things really started to connect for me i started getting in touch with people who had been successful who mentored me who kind of showed me the way and in there i did have a breakdown that kind of paved my transition but i like katie moved up the corporate ladder very quickly every couple of years and it forced a lot of really quick personal development mm -hmm. and a lot of questions from me because I felt that there was a piece of me missing and I didn't know what it was. And when I tried talking to my family and friends, they're like, your life is so great. You have a great career. Like literally you have all, I don't even know why you would want more. Yeah. And so that's when I kind of hit, well, why am I feeling this way? I've had so much success. What is it that's going on with me? Yeah. And what, what showed up, you know, was it the same sort of thing? You had this moment where you're sitting in the boardroom, you're sitting at a desk. What, was there a moment where sort of there was this enlightenment or at least a thought that, that sparked? Well, it actually goes back to your question from my childhood. Yeah. Did it, did the pressure ever become too much for me? Yeah. And it was in my mid twenties when this pressure did hit and I was at a really low place I was aimless. I was very self-conscious. I wasn't confident anymore in who I was. And I just felt very isolated. I felt very alone. I felt very stuck. And I would honestly, I would get blacked out drunk all the time, mm. all the time. Mm -hmm. And I hit a rock bottom at one point and I said, today's the day that I'm going to change. And I went into my employer that day. I told them exactly what was going on probably the most vulnerable I'd ever been in my whole life mm -hmm. and said, I'm going to get help. And, you know, I would like your support because obviously there might be some things that I have to do that'll change yeah. what's going on with work. And they were very supportive and I went through and, you know, got help. Um, and it wasn't that I was an alcoholic. I was just having these problems internally because all this pressure had been building up, building up, building yeah. up, building up, building up for almost 30 years. And just finally it popped. And I just needed help talking through all of the things that happened from childhood up until then. So there's this massive story of people pleasing and never, you're like, I wasn't as confident as I used to be, except as I think you kind of said it, like you, you're not sure that you were ever really confident um, in who you were. You weren't ever doing something that was just for you. You were doing it for other people the whole way, what you thought they wanted you to do. And now here you are for the first time admitting quote unquote failure. Like there's like this admitting I it's like, this is what I've been doing and I need help. And it's not going to please anybody doing that. Like, you know, going into that moment that this isn't going to please, this isn't going to be consistent with my story. This, and that again, that, that breaks something. When your story is going a certain way and then you act in some alternate fashion, it, it breaks a pattern. It break that's a breaking moment. That's a turning point. That's a hinge moment that then that then forms who you are now, which is, I believe, as we started this conversation and everything that we were talking about for both of you, somebody who is willing to say, I'm not gonna deal with this anymore. I'm not gonna just do this because it's just been done something needs to shift 
And so how do how do those beautiful journeys then merge? And where do you find each other? And how do you connect? And how does this dream become reality? Yeah. So after I quit my job and my career with zero plan, right? I walked away from six figures, corner office, the whole, the whole shebang. Um, I took six months and I just decided that I wanted to help women. Mm -hmm. Um, so I became an executive coach and a year after I became an executive coach, I co-hosted an event and Amanda was at the event. Um, and we met and she became my sixth coaching client, um, which was awesome. And I'll let her tell. Yeah. What was the decision to, for Amanda, for you to say, whoa, I need to hire Katie. She was literally everything that I needed in the moment. I was still at that place where I was lacking confidence. I wasn't very sure of myself. And I saw this woman who exuded the embodiment of what I wanted to be. And I said, I need to work with her. I need Mm -hmm. to know her. We're going to do this together. (laughs) Okay. And so then you work together, but, and now you're partners. And so what, what kind of transformation, Katie, did you see in Amanda, even through that time together? Well, Amanda is, this is one of my funniest stories because Amanda, a lot of times when I start working with someone, I suggest they journal and Amanda came back the next week and I was like, how did journaling go? And she's like, I hated it. I didn't do it. I don't want to do it. I was like, okay. Um, and I'm, I'm like still very new again, sixth client. Right. And so I'm like, well, I, I think you should just try it again. And here's what's hysterical about it. Amanda is the journaling queen now. And uh, to go with your spreadsheets, (laughs) do you have a spreadsheet that that categorizes your journals somewhere? You must. (laughs) Sadly, no, but that is a good idea. (laughs) My mom had binders of lists of things that she should do. And like, I remember when they were moving, she had like a binder with all the things that were in each room. And then she had a binder just with her lists of the lists of the other binders. <laughs> I my God, I love what a woman. Um, yeah. Okay. And so. Yeah. So what's funny is, uh, so Amanda really did blossom and then, and then we parted ways, right? Like Amanda went back to her life and, and, and she has more to that that I'll let her tell in a minute. But, um, but I kept going. And what's crazy is I had hit a wall in coaching. I was like, at one point I had 19 clients. I was making great money and I was burnt out again. And I just kept thinking, oh my God, it's happened again. Mm-hmm. And um, in 2020, I just made this declaration. This is probably February. I'm like, I'm going to become a public speaker. I love public speaking. I've done a TEDx. That's really where I got most of my coaching clients was through speaking gigs. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm just going to do this. And so I started down the path of transitioning from coaching to speaking. And this was like mid-February. And all of us know what happened a month later. The world shut down. Every single speaker I knew lost all of their income. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the first day of the shutdown was my 40th birthday. My husband and I had just moved into a high rise. So I'm sitting in a glass box every day and I'm like, crap, what am I going to do now? Right? Like I didn't want to coach yeah. as many women. And so um, I got out my list. I got out 
you know, I started writing down. And what I decided to do was I said, okay, I can do two things, right? I can do one of two things. I can either go consult on projects and just create my own consulting business. But frankly, one of the things that terrified me the most was I didn't want to work with men anymore. Like I was done. I, mm-hmm. I tried coaching men. It was, didn't work. Said I can either go do this and I think I can make good money or I can go and start the thing that I truly believe deep mm-hmm. down in my tiptoes that I was put on this planet to do. Yeah. And so scary, I put it out there. And um, I kept talking about it on social media. And Amanda called me or she, t- she sent me an email and she said, hey, I want to talk about this. I want to know what you're doing. So we jumped on a phone call and I knew that I was recruiting advisory board members because I didn't want to do this alone. Um, and so I just happened to tell her and I have my list. I'm like, you know, and Amanda, um, as great as she is, her, you know, her, her philosophy in life, life is if you don't ask, the answer is always no. Just ask me to be an advisory mem- board member. And I was like, Yes. And then about six weeks later, she called and said, I have a really crazy idea. Can I, can I come in and be your partner and your co-founder in this work? And it was just the like, Talk about boldness. Me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And what I love is the way you told your story, Amanda, is especially in high school. And, and, and that was people offering you the opportunity. People saying, hey, you're really good at this. You should do this. You should do this. You should have you thought about this. And the opportunities came to you and you simply said yes to them. And now here you are. And it wasn't about waiting for an opportunity. It was about going to get it and going to get it because you knew that this was right. That's different. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's and that's part of why I love being a part of Bold Women Society and why the mission and vision resonates with me so much, because I want to take all of those feelings that I felt, everything that I went through. And now I'm very much the person where I'm creating my own life. I'm creating these opportunities because I've done the work. I know what I want out of life, where I want to go. Maybe not how I'm going to get there, because that's not important. But I have a clear idea Mm -hmm. of what this vision is and where I'm going with my life. And I want to help other women realize you can do the same thing. You can take control. You don't have to just do it because somebody tapped you on the shoulder or because you got voluntold to do something, right? Like you can control your life because I'm living proof and I want them to know that they can do it too. It's just so phenomenal. I mean, if somebody's listening to this right now and they aren't moved right now, if their heart isn't racing a little bit faster and seeing all of this come together, this is the magic of it all. This is why I love you two and love this conversation and the story, the stories, seeing these all come together and work in their own beautiful way to get you from, I mean, even Katie, the, the, the image that you had of this bold woman leading you and, and, and raising you and putting you into an environment where that was continued and, and encouraged within you. 
And now you get to show up and do that for other people. And Amanda, being this person who has is living proof, is the like, look, this is what happens when you just say yes to everything. You just tr work trying to please people. But also you had this beautiful image of your mom who is working her tail off to try to provide, to, to give the kind of life. And now you're showing up and you totally understand both of these amazing pictures of powerful women in their own situation, strong women who are raising you to become these influencers who are helping shape a whole other generation to step forward and say, this is my life and I'm going to take charge of it. I'm going to understand what my vision is. I'm going to explore my own dreams and I'm going to pursue them and ask, because if I don't ask, what did you say? If I don't ask, the answer's always no. The answer's always no. It's, it's like you, you can't, <laughs> it's just such a perfect arc. I don't know, That's I'm sitting here right now just in awe of the story of it all. The beauty that have how this all comes together and I'm wildly encouraged by you two. And, and I, I have so much to learn from you and um, I think the, the, the community that you're building is of incredible importance. And the, the unique stories that you're bringing to this are what people are going to connect to. And so I am so grateful for you showing up and sharing this journey and going through all this conversation that we've gone through. Um, before we wrap things up here, is there a, kind of a final thought, a, a bow that you want to put on the story up to this point as you know, we would all agree, we're just getting started? Yeah, so I think that I want to go back to what Amanda just said a minute ago, which mm -hmm. is she has a very clear vision of what she wants, but she doesn't know how it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that when we talk about women and failure and the right path and the wrong path, we get so caught up in how is it going to happen? Yeah. And I think, you know, when we think about the women in our community, they think, how, how am I going to do this? Right. And we don't always have the roadmap to show them. We give them the tools, but it's not always this clear cut. And, um, and even our story, right? Like there is no way on earth that a little over a year ago, I could have said, Amanda will be my co-founder. Mm -hmm. Like that was never, it wasn't even a thought I had in my mind. And so I think that when we all think about what it is that we want, how we're going to overcome these um, these straight lines we're supposed to stay in, the box we're supposed to stay in. It's more about the belief and the conviction and the clarity that you need than it is about how is it going to happen. Mm -hmm. mm. Why first? Why, what, how, right? Yeah. Amazing. Amanda, final thought? Wow. I mean, what Katie said was exactly <laughs> what I had on my mind. <laughs> well, I kept thinking about getting, you know, getting, getting clarity. And I think just to, to round that out, a simple analogy that we use in Bold Women's Society that resonates with so many members is that just think of your life as a GPS on your phone. If you open up the GPS, 
if you don't know what the end destination is, how do you know where to go? Hmm. Your phone doesn't know where to tell you what turns to take. And it's not that you're going to know how to get there, but it is important to get clear on what is that end goal? What is your vision? What do you want? That's the address you're putting in. And when you populate it, a bunch of different routes will show up. And that's conviction for you to know there's not one way to get to where you want to go. Mm. You don't need permission to go or you know approval to go down this one way. There's multiple ways to get to where you want to go. But getting clear on whatever that vision is, the impact that you want to make, who do you want to be, how do you want to show up, how do you want to make others feel, getting clear on that. That's your GPS destination. Yeah. The path will start to unfold once you get clarity on that. Mm. Okay. So if somebody is hearing this and they obviously are connecting with your stories of growth and change and transformation, but specifically the story of Bold Women's Society, they want to get involved. They are in this place of feeling apologetic and feeling like they're pleasing people around them and quite frankly, confused on where they are and where they're going and how they're going to make it all happen. And they desperately want the clarity and the, um, the confidence to make their own choices, to boldly step forward. How is it they're, they're going to start this conversation with you and get involved? What's the best way to find you? Yeah, the best way to find us is either on LinkedIn or on Instagram Great. at boldwomensociety.com. If you want to slide into our DMs, uh, we would love that. If you want to start following us and just seeing what we're all about, we show up every single day um, and we'll tell you ways to get involved. I mean, right now we're in the middle of a free coaching challenge. So we're not sure when we're going to do that again, um, but there's definitely ways to get involved. And, and our membership is amazing. And it's at a price point that's really reasonable but it's built for women who, you know, are those mid-career women who are saying, is this it? Yeah. I don't know. And you're helping them see you've got the choice. You get yeah. to choose. Right. <laughs> yep. Start using your voice. My goodness, I am so grateful for you two showing up and sharing your voices with, uh, with me, with us today. And, um, and again, your stories and, and your grace, um, the joy that you bring and this, this incredible power that I think that you both have anytime that you speak, um, people listen. And so I am, I'm grateful to be a part of this journey, to know you both and to learn from you. And I'm excited for where this is going from here. Oh, likewise, Alex, the Felix is one, the feeling is 100% mutual. We're so blessed to know you and excited that we get to learn from you and grow with you and just excited for what's in the future for you as well. I received that. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thanks for listening. This has been No Boring Stories. I am Alex Street and we are just getting started. I'd love to know what you thought of this conversation. So please feel free to reach out to me on my website, on Instagram, or in the Fearless Speakers Academy and share your thoughts. In the meantime, honor this conversation, go out in your life and tell a better story today. We'll see you next time.